Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. Business Q&A episode 173. Thank you everyone for watching and uh, this week your vote was hugely in favour of zero budget business building. Uh, it's no surprise at all that you of course want to learn how to, what, what any tricks or hacks to not spend any money basically. So um, I'm really excited about doing this one. It'll be a little bit of a shorter one today because we've got a lot of projects on right now. So thank you everyone who's jumping in already over on Instagram. Uh, all of you guys who are watching uh, on Facebook and hello to those of you joining us on LinkedIn as well. As usual, let me know if you're watching live. So hashtag team live in the comments. Also put in where you're watching from as well. Uh, and if you're watching in the replay, so hashtag team replay. Uh, if you're unable to uh, watch the whole thing live, you can, of course, watch the replay on IGTV uh, over at, at the dot Richard dot more um, on Instagram. Or you can listen to the um, podcast, of course, off uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you want to, uh, or visit therichardmore.com to catch it. Uh, but yes, yeah, today we're talking about the uh, wonder that is not spending any money. Um, so it's interesting. I've got a few questions already. We're not going to be massively long today, uh, probably about half hour or so, but it's still going to cover uh, some, of the, some of the questions um, focusing on this idea of, of how to really make some money when you're not. Uh, and uh, this is why this is kind of one of the most important subjects because startup business Q&A uh, is what this kind of is, is mainly focused on. It's people who are starting out. And I'm really keen on doing this one because those companies I'm coaching and working with, they get, uh, they learn very quickly that one of the big issues for many is that they, as I put it this morning, they, they spend a lot of time uh, polishing this sinking ship without actually putting any money or new customer acquisition into it. So it's really important to get this bit right. Thank you everyone who's joining in over on um, Facebook. I can't see you all yet, but I can see Ajani is there, Alison's here, Joel's there as well, uh, quite a few others um, over on Instagram. Ben Badila, uh, Kwajiri Chambers, uh, nice to see you from Abu Dhabi. Fab underscore Joe, you're here too, good to see you. Uh, and uh, a few others there too, thank you very much for coming. And uh, over on LinkedIn too, we have uh, a few people watching there. Oh, that's good. You feel it flooding in already. I'm pleased. Um, so thank you very much. So we've got uh, announcement first. Absolutely huge, uh, of course, this week on Thursday at uh, 6 p.m. West Coast. So Pacific time will be Entrepreneur Business Live Los Angeles in Hollywood uh, from West Hollywood, uh, hosted by my friend Patrick Ward. Amazing guy. Uh, who's going to be hosting it on um, on the ground, as well as Andrew Helms, uh, the video wizard. And streaming live will be uh, Travis Chambers as well. So all three are going to be talking about building their brand. You'll, you'll obviously hear a lot about how they do it with things like video, for instance. So that's really exciting. I won't be there. I will be here in the UK, but I'll be watching from the live stream in the Entrepreneur Business Group. For those of you who are like, aren't you meant to go to all of them? Absolutely not. Firstly, it saves me an absolute fortune. But more importantly, these events are not about me. The point of these events, of course, is to help people in the room. They learn, they, you know, it's good education and so on. And indeed, those watching on the live stream. But also, we're leveraging these events to raise some money. So the tickets are very low price, but they, it's to raise money to drive that into local charities. So Covenant House California is the charity we're working with uh, for LA this week. Um, and it works with um, homeless youth, uh, looking at obviously getting them back on, on their feet. So not just in terms of shelter, but also things like giving them, um, uh, you know, uh, food, education, things like that as well. So I'm really pleased we're working with them that we're simply donating to them. And every one of these events is the same. So it's $10 per attendee. So the reason I, I talk a lot about these events is not to get you to buy tickets or, or anything because I'm making lots of money out of them. They certainly aren't. Um, the idea is to get people to go to the attend the events because the more attendees on the ground actually in on location uh, means the more donations we can give uh, to the local charity as well. And Covenant House, if you haven't checked them out, are an amazing charity based there. Actually all over the US, but this is just the, uh, the uh, Los Angeles branch we're working with. So um, yeah, so if you know anyone in LA Tag them in the comments right now. Tell them they should be going to this uh, Entrepreneur Business Live LA on Thursday with Patrick Ward. 
um, with with Andrew Helms and uh, with uh, special guest uh, Travis Chambers live. In addition, we're actually supporting Nir Ayal, uh, New York Times, I believe it is, best-selling author of Hooked, who's also recently released Indispensable, uh, sorry, <laughs> wrong, uh, he's released um, Indistractable, uh, which you really should read, it's a fantastic book. Um, so he's going to be giving away five copies of that at the event uh, to attendees. So if, if you know anyone in LA who should be going to Entrepreneur Business Live on Thursday, about building your brand, uh, then do tag them in the comments here. Uh, hello, uh, in, uh, where are we, in, in LinkedIn, for everyone waking up there, um, well, the app is finally waking up. So Laurie Knudsen from North Carolina watching live. Mike Spink from Wokingham, good to see you as well. Diana Nyan from uh, Melbourne, nice to see you watching from the other side of the planet. Uh, William Simmons, I think, uh, from South Carolina, I believe. David Speyer, Tel Aviv. Amelia Slabinski, hey, hey, good to see you today. You too, where are you watching from? Roxana Kruger, live from Mallorca, and quite a few others. Let's get in some questions. If you have a question about how to build your business without any budget, then pop them in the comments and we'll do our best to answer them for you. First up is um, the wonderful Carolina Mankowski uh, from over in Florida, who I think is watching on one of them, probably on Facebook right now, um, has asked, what's the quickest way, this is a question for everyone really, isn't it? What's the quickest way to get clients for your business with zero budget? The good news is, and let's, let's be clear about zero budget, um, I'm working on the basis, you, you know, you're not literally zero, so you're not like, I'm on the streets, Richard, I have no cell phone. But if it was the case, honestly, if you had nothing on the streets and literally no money, no cell or anything, I would be like knocking door to door saying, is there any, are there any jobs I could do to raise some cash? Or I would be trying to, I would going, be going to a skip and finding things I could somehow sell. But I would be to try and get money to get a cell phone so I get online. Uh, but really simply, the, the quickest way I've found is not the most efficient, but it's the most effective way to generate money uh, or, or generate clients rather. Uh, right away, Carolina, and that's the way I did it in 2015. Um, I, if you look at how I was, um, I was consulting offline back then. But when I wanted in 2015 to pivot to the online space, I literally got my phone, went to Facebook, joined groups where there are startup businesses, and talked to them one on one. I told myself. Every day you have to start 20 new conversations. So I connected with 20 new people every day. I did this for like six weeks, so it was kind of brutal. And every single day I was messaging them back and forth, just simply connecting. Some of them found me useful. Those people I said, okay, I can help consult, you know, show you some, some um, uh, what we can do. And I, I basically hopped on a quick call with them. So I, I used Facebook that was free. I used Zoom calls to do the, the kind of, or Skype you could use to do the video chat to actually onboard the, the person. Then I used a, a PayPal link, uh, which was completely free as well, you know. And I could have, yeah, had a website and e-commerce and branding and logos, but to just simply get some oxygen, to get some people in the door, it is the quickest and most effective way of getting clients. The most, if, the most, um, fulfilling way of getting clients, perhaps the most um, effective long-term way of getting clients might be more of a content play. But if you need money today, putting out content when you potentially are a nobody and have no money um, to, to put into quality production, things like that, and expect it to turn into business is very, very big ask. It's far more effective, I found, uh, to simply hop online, go and reach out to people manually and it's very straightforward to turn around someone from zero to a client within a day. As long as you don't come on too strong, what you do is you, sh you connect, make friends, show that you can be useful. And if they feel you are, then you simply ask, you know, well, why didn't I help you? Would you like to see how that works? And if you are utterly desperate for some money, well, then, you know, you just ju you give them an offer they can't refuse. And the first consulting gig I got online, I remember it, um, was absurdly low. Uh, because I just I wanted to kind of test it 
and it was just to confirm I knew what I was doing. And, and the guy was like, of course, this sounds great. So I gave him a, a amazing value, super pr uh, good price. And, and he was like, let's go. And it was the money was in the bank right away. So it's the quickest way to get clients. What I would suggest you do is, um, for want of a better word, go hunting uh, in, in groups because then you've got the right kind of, of people. Uh, we actually talked about this last week in the, um, on the uh, live show about building online groups. Actually, a good place to go and get clients, if you like, so get attendees for your, or rather members for your group, is to go to a similar group. Not to pull them out and put them into yours, but it means that if you've got something to offer, to similar kind of people in a similar kind of space, a group makes a lot of sense. So I would be doing that on Facebook, even on LinkedIn potentially. And the more active the group, the more likely people are gonna be getting back to you. So thumbs up if that makes sense. That's certainly what I would be doing. Um, and I really feel that, you know, if, if times are ever hard, it's so simple to go online find a bunch of people and just talk to them and you'll always get one after a while who's like hey you're really useful this is really good and then you you know you offer them something that, that you can sell them if you make something that costs a bunch of money to actually produce then it's obviously slightly different because it's not so simple because you need to have to have a bit of capital but if you need some money literally out of thin air that is that is a very simple way of doing it the quickest way to get clients for your business if you have no money at all for any business though, is to go and get someone manually. It really is. Putting out content because it's fashionable, putting out content because you wish that, that, it would that people would close themselves, putting out content because you're scared of selling people is a really risky play for your business. Your business deserves better than that. And I think a lot of people are fooled that they um, that business will just come to them and clients will just sell themselves at the very start. The content play is a wonderful idea, but it can take a lot longer, you know, and, it, and you should view your content play as in putting out content to attract people, to reinforce that you're good at what you do, to draw them back in. You should be probably working on the basis that's a medium to long time term strategy. You should be doing it at the start because you have to start somewhere, but if you need customers in the door right away, it's manual, which is why startups that begin the on day one, day two, always, you know, day 37, they're still doing it every single day, getting on the phone, knocking on doors, engaging one-on-one -on -one online with people are the ones that actually start generating some income. Um, it, it's as simple as that. If you start on day one with just marketing and cute Instagram photos thinking you're going to make clients, you're hoping too much and that's not the best strategy in my opinion. Uh, and that's, with, that's said with authority because I've worked with so many startups that were failing purely because they were doing that. The moment they pivoted to like, oh, okay, I have to spend some time with actual people every day, they suddenly started getting some more interest. And it's, it's crazy how they're sitting right there, these, these potential clients. A great question to kick us off, Carolina. Thumbs up if that made sense to you lot. I really, uh, this is kind of, I'm, I'm using it as a kind of, kind of a part rant crusade rallying cry for you lot to be aware that, you know, if you really need clients at the start, the quickest way to get them is to spend time manually with them, which is why it makes a lot of sense to network. You know, if there are events, for instance, it makes a lot of sense to go and see people. I, I can't remember an event I've been to where I've not got something from it. So potentially a new client or something like that. It really, really pays off. Um, it's you've just got to watch out because it's so tempting always tempting to go to um you know go to the glamour side so like i'll just produce lots of lovely content and i'm sure that'll convert meanwhile you're you're you know hemorrhaging uh, money just to keep yourself alive it's far better to go one-on-one -on -one. so hope that helps a lot great great question uh let us know if you're just joining in just now where you're watching from and also hashtag team live or hashtag team replay we're talking about zero budget business building today uh, Roxana Kruger on LinkedIn has said, are you supposed to join groups in the niche you want to work for? Yeah, why not? You know, if I am offering, um, uh, if I'm offering accounting services, I would go to groups that are relevant to that space because people are likely to be talking about it. Uh, or if I'm, you know, or maybe find groups where people are talking about how they run their business. That makes a lot uh, of sense to do that. Amelia Slabinski has said, absolutely organic is the best. 
but you have to neek, 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 I don't know, I don't know what the word that is, something in your business, um, neek, what is that word? You have to, what, something in your business, time or money, you have to choose, you have to choose, right, something in your business, time or money, and, you know, if you have enough money, then the content play is a really wonderful thing because you can you can do the good things and the right things. But job one typically for a business is to be able to wipe its own face, pay its own bills and survive. So it's essential to actually help it by getting some oxygen in the door. I remember when I first started a business, uh, I, I, I incorporated at the start of 2000. 14 it was actually because I was doing consulting before but as a as a official legal entity in 2014 and I had a load of savings I, I'd got so I had runway but I could see that money was going down every month but it was it allowed me to kind of do the things I needed to do and build it out I had a little bit of time but that money will go so fast it makes a lot of sense to really focus in on getting um, getting new things in the door as soon as you can. Amelia's added um, organic, oh sorry, what was the thing you said before? Oh sorry, you, you, re, you were clear with what your point was because I was completely lost with your, your, your message. You have to invest something in your business, time or money, you do, absolutely, and usually it's both. Again, this is a bit of a, a, a direct talk to those, those people who are starting businesses because they want an easier life than a, say a nine to five, it's really stupid idea, simply. It's not easier, um, it's uh, not shorter hours, it's, that's a load of rubbish, it's, it's actually longer hours often to start with. Uh, it can be more risky, it certainly can be more stressful at times, but often the reason why some people will do this is because they get to run a business doing the thing they maybe want to do a bit more, so that's why you should choose it, that's all in my opinion. Um, but great point. Uh, good morning to uh, Brian Direct from Miami, great to see you here. Alex Smith as well, here from Palm uh, Harbor in Florida. What have been the most important manual networking tactics you found useful to build your business on LinkedIn? Great question, Alex. Um, actually, one of the most important manual networking tactics is being very clever or careful at the very least, I don't, I'm never going to call myself clever, but um, being careful about the people I'm connecting with. Um, Come one, come all, and click, ev click on everyone uh, to get them to be my connection is actually not the best strategy I've found. Why do I want to send a signal to LinkedIn that I'm trying to target people in, you know, deepest, darkest um, South America who are working in oil and gas because they're not really relevant to what I do, right? They might be wonderful people, but they're not in entirely what I'm after. So uh, spending time with the right kind of connections is, is the first start point. But secondly, the, really the big thing um, I would say is, is making sure that each day, uh, Alex, you are simply going to people manually and engaging one-on-one. -on -one. DMs really makes a difference. Another tool with DMs is using voice. I was literally doing it today. When you leave a voice memo, people listen to it because they're like, oh, what's this? Rather than just text. And so they tend to respond. They've listened to your voice as well. And it makes you very unique in, in getting through to people. You know, it's really not hard. Just do lots of it. So um, I find that even if it's eight to 10 new people per day, it's a very good idea uh, to reach out to um, your, your connections, uh, to keep them warm, to keep them in touch with them. It's funny that some people's um, strategy, it appears, on social media is to create, or spend a lot of time creating content, post that content, and then just wander off and do something else, um, as if their content will naturally close people on its own. It does, over time, for an immensely small amount of people, but it's far more effective use of your content to spend some time with it, look at the people who are engaging with it and actually engage with them. Because the point isn't to make content for the sake of making content, unless it genuinely is, it's very rare that that's the case. It's far more effective to create content as a magnet to draw people in to then engage with them, right? So um, not difficult. Um, thinking about the offline world to take cues from it, if you see a lot of people who are relevant to you, so go and speak to them. And don't try and gain them, talk to them, you know, just, just make a connection first. It really is a really good start point in my opinion. That's just worked so well. I've also been very patient. 
I've also been a little bit extreme and pushed myself, um, Alex, to make sure I'm getting as many of these uh, um, um, uh, messages with or, or conversations going with these with these connections uh, as possible and doing it consistently. Like I said, I, I did 20 a day every day for six weeks when I started to start the process of getting people engaged with me to the point where I could I could close them off and into phone calls and then close them into actual paying clients. Um, there are some people I encounter who don't do anything like that. They've started a business, they expect to make uh, money because there's this absurd saying, if you build it, then they will come. It's wrong. <laughs> if you build it, then they'll be interested if they know you're there. But you have to actually get, get out there and make sure that people are aware you're, they, that you exist. You have to go and get them. You have to go and court the, the audience. And it's really important this because if you don't go and engage with people, then, then they don't tend to self-select as readily as you would want. And so you end up with a lot of time spent on something that's not converting and that's soul destroying after a while. And it's wrong to think if you build it, then they will come just because it's a good product when no one knows about it. So don't game people, spend a lot of time, like more than you realize uh, uh, doing it. The majority I've found, the majority tend to maybe every so often speak to people in messages um, and network with people um, who come to them and that's the biggest mistake it should be the other way around you should go to them don't don't be full of pride because you've got uh, this wonderful product or service you have to go and actually find an audience and you have to warm them up and you have to earn their interest uh, to begin with and that starts with spending time one-on-one -on -one with them so I really really believe in that great to see you here Brandy Holloway uh, and Carolina Mankowski have answered one of your questions. I think you asked two, actually. So we'll get to that in a sec. Daniela Galvani, good to see you as well. Thank you, Eric de Duningen. Nice to see you too. Bob Lowe is here in the house. Sushi Despan, nice to see you here too. Thank you very much. Far East Contingent is watching. Uh, nice to see you. So uh, we're talking all things today related to building a business on zero budget. So a lot of people don't seem to have much money. So these are some of the hacks and techniques that, that help out here. Um, Thursday is Entrepreneur Business Live LA. Just to kind of let you know if you are in LA uh, on Thursday, you should be going to that. Oh, you've got Patrick Ward, you've got Andrew Helms, we've got the marvelous um, Travis Chambers as well, all speaking about how they built their brand. And I strongly urge you to check it out. Uh, certainly, um, it's worth it because if you're on the ground and you can attend, then $10 for every attendee is going to Covenant House that helps uh, uh, get shelter, accommodation and food to youth who are homeless on the streets uh, in California. So uh, um, if you're interested, then do check out the uh, tickets and info on therichardmore.com. Uh, next question, Daniel Nunes. How do you use CEL to prioritize clients? There's a bit extra to your, your question, um, but I was only unclear on what you meant, Daniel. So how do you CEL to prioritize clients? Um, I, I think I understand it. So CEL is an is a acronym I've used a lot uh, to help me plan my day. So C is customer acquisition or cash flow to things to do, to, gen, to do with generating more income. E is things that are essential. So absolutely has to happen today kind of things. And L is to do with my lines, L, of work, so what I do, or lines of focus, what I'm doing right now, okay? So in that order, I would choose to do things related to customer acquisition first in the day to get some business in the door. Secondly, the utterly essential tasks, so things that have to be done today, maybe I have to pay a bill or something like that, or if I have to deal with a, a, um, an existing client or something, that would come next, uh, and then anything else, basically, related to the work. Um, and the idea is that over time, if things become more and more essential, then they fall into that E bracket. But customer acquisition is always first. It doesn't take all of your day, but you do tend to find that's a good way of keeping the ship right because you get more things in the door each morning. I see so many people who do E then L or worse, they do L then E. They do the fun things that tend to be, tend to be nice and rela related to their work. Um, their lines of work. Then when they run out of time, they're like, oh man, I've got to do this essential stuff I didn't really want to do, but now I'm going to do it. 
and they never create any time for new customer acquisition, which is a huge error. So by flipping that on its head, you're keeping the business safe first, then you're doing the things that have to be done, and then you've earned the right to do the other stuff that maybe you find is lots of fun, but uh, maybe not as A1 critical to running the business as, as the other things. So using this CEL approach, Daniel is asking, how do you use CEL to prioritize clients Full question is, and partners to find capital investors. So to prioritize clients, I finding clients, for instance, so finding new clients um, will go in the E section if I really have to find new clients. Um, if I have the opportunity to onboard someone new, then that's in the C section. The first things I do, if I get an email, someone saying, hey, this is really great, what you're working on, can we work on, can we hop on a call or something and explore working together? I would wanna do those things first. But then if someone has said, um, you know, if, if there's the opportunity to um, uh, um, fight or work with existing clients uh, in the sense of, of account management. So maybe there's someone already working with me that needs a bit of help with something. Um, that would come in the essential section, not in the customer acquisition section uh, because they're existing clients. Uh, it is essential that you look after them. And so that goes in the E section, Daniel. Um, so I'm prioritizing clients, but not first because what's priority, number one priority is that the business continues to what to operate. And that comes from some inbound business first. And then a close second is that I would be focusing on, on the, the client flow that I have. The second part of your question is how do I use CEL to uh, prioritize partners to find capital investors? If I genuinely need capital investors, so if I actually do need some more money uh, into the, the business, well, I would still put that under E, Daniel. I would, I would be looking at new business onboarding first, not looking at getting investors first thing in the day. I would do that under essential. If my business really needs cash, then sure, I might need, uh, well, I probably may need uh, investors, but it would be intelligent to spend time around the potential new customers. After all, investors will wanna see that you're capable of getting customers on board as well. Obviously, there's many different permutations here, many different ways this may be done, because lots of different types of business, but that's always gonna be my approach, is make sure I shore up new inbounds every day, every day first before I move on to other things like capital. A lot of people seem, I'm not suggesting you, Daniel, but a lot of people seem to feel that charging after investors is the right thing to do because it gives them, um, gives them money. So it, it, it's a, it, for many, it's just clearly a form of, um, of uh, procrastination uh, and avoidance of getting new, new business on board. I would always, I can't really see many uh, uh, examples of, a, of a, or an exception, I would always prefer to be, <laughs> to, to generate inbound business convert that and have that capital from myself, then work with an investor. An investor will want you to do things back. They want you to give them a return on their investment. You are to a greater or lesser degree for some of them uh, in their pocket. For some, you're gonna be very emotionally in their pocket as well as you know owing them their money back plus whatever interest. So you tend to find that um, you know, it's not a free ticket and it's not free money getting investors for your business. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because a lot of people need to be cautious about this idea of getting investors being the route that, that startups should take. It's, it's not necessarily unless you literally do need it because uh, you can't raise it your mo the money yourself and actually need it. So something to really consider a lot before you put yourself in that position. A bit like taking on any kind of debt, for instance. Um, it's a really good question. Uh, next one, Laura Pendergast has said, I prospect online as well as offline whenever I can answer a question or help someone. What is your best method for prospecting? Uh, I, uh, right now, I, I mean, we've already covered how what's well, the quickest way to get clients with zero budget, this idea of working manually. But right now, Laura, I'm in a really, uh, the, the ideal position, I believe, uh, where time, because of the criticality of having money, time is not an issue as much. 
when you first start, it's like time is an issue because you have to get money in the door literally now to make sure you have some. So, but when you have money to run the business and when you are generating inbounds all the time, you move to a place where you can decide a bit more what you're spending your time on. So my um, best method for prospecting, and this isn't about being most effective in the moment, this isn't about being rapid in generating leads and closing customers now. This is specifically about the best form I've found of generating uh, clients. It is, um, it is content marketing. That is putting out valuable content, arguably like this, I would like to think, and you've just written here lots of important tips today. Thank you, Laura, on Facebook. Putting out content like this to draw people in, some will find it entertaining, some will find it informative, some will think it's a load of rubbish, no worries. But some will also think, do you know what, I not right now need this thing. Or in three months time will go, I right now need this thing. And then they will, that will be front and centre of mind and that will be an opportunity for us to help each other, you see. So the content play is a good one because it's one that allows people to um, it allows us to develop trust first. It allows people to self-select. As I said, this idea of saying, do you know what? I feel this is right. I want to join. I want to join Richard's world. I want to be involved. And they decide themselves that they would like to buy something. A bit like when you decide to walk into a shop to buy something. It's the same kind of thing here. The content play allows this. Um, and of course, what it does is it is, is uh, you know, it creates a, uh, a cr it's a creative outlet for me. It's something I enjoy doing a lot of. I think if I was, uh, if I had all the money in the world and had no needs or wants, I would probably still be doing this. I would really enjoy doing it because I, I just have a lot of fun with it. So this is the most, um, this is my best way of prospecting is producing content so that every so often someone who happens to need me uh, is aware I'm out there and they've had a sense of who I am and therefore what I may be work like working with uh, and then they decide to come to me. But that doesn't mean it's the, the best way of prospecting if you are starting out or if you need money now. It is something you should be doing in the background if you can, but um, if, thing if, if it was mission critical, if I had to find a bunch of money literally right now, I would probably be cutting this exceedingly short and I'd be focusing all day long on making sure I'm bringing in new customer acquisition, not polishing the business that much. So uh, I hope you understand that that context there really makes a big difference. Um, Wendy Gorhiller over on uh, LinkedIn has said, that's the first thing I do think about regarding investors. I think I may have missed the other part of what you wrote. Um, Alex Smith, uh, so thank you so much for these great comments here. Love it. Right connections each day and engaging one-on-one. -on -one. I like voice and maybe even video. Be different than text DMs. It takes work, right? And engage with your audience. Totally agree. Engage with your audience. If anyone dares show you any interest, so engage with them. Thank them for it and ask them something back so they stay engaged. Uh, but in addition, yes, um, in the direct messages, so private messages, some people call it, using voice memos is a far more effective way to sell someone. It's far more effective way to build familiarity. It's far more effective way to build trust because you give a lot more of yourself, the dynamics, the emphasis, the interest, the emotion. When you type it, you're just not as good. Plus, it's way quicker. <laughs> you can do like 10 messages in the time it takes to do one or two, but tapping away with your thumbs. It's far better using voice. Uh, I, would, I would suggest that a lot. Happy Monday, Richard and everyone, says Pervious Sonia. Darby over in Chicago, thank you very much. Keith Rosell, Keith from Brum, good to see you. Someone from Birmingham, nice. It's been a while since I heard, had someone here from, from Birmingham. Uh, Carolina Mankowski, I think most entrepreneurs have something they can teach you, can, can teach so you can always teach a class and make super cheap, uh, make it super cheap to create some cash, fast cash. Yeah, you know, if you have anything of value that might be some, useful to someone, it's stunning what you can teach. And online consulting is a really good way of doing it. I totally agree. Uh, see some of the other comments. Uh, Alex, you've been really wonderful here. Yeah, customer acquisition is first, that's C. Uh, essential work is second, that's E. And lines of work, so generally speaking, what you're involved in is, is L, C-E-L. That's how I build my day in terms of prioritizing things. Um, Mirav Levine has asked on Facebook, is there, so I'm looking around one of the cameras, if there's one thing a new business owner should spend money on, what should it be? This is hard. And the reason why this is hard is it depends on you. If you have a bit of money and you are crap at selling, 
then you should be working on things that are helping you sell. That's as simple as that. Because otherwise you're spending all your time and money on stuff that's not gonna keep you afloat. It might be that you're the greatest salesperson ever, but you just you know you've got no uh, creativity, and you you know you want to do something that's very creative with your business. Again, I'm trying to cover all things here, uh, Mirav, and it may well be you have to have someone cover that. And in fact, there's a question that's relevant to this on that was submitted, and so I'm going to use that as a nice segue, uh, Mirav. Roger Wilkinson, good to see you uh, tuning as well. Nice to have you here. Um, so Daniel Nunez, you'd asked a second question. Uh, if you could identify five collaborations that were most impactful on your, uh, on your uh, what was it, most impactful in development of any startup, what would they be and why? By collaborations, I took this to mean uh, on, on all different types of collaborations, not just with people. I'm not going to do five, I'm going to do a couple, but I think it depends on your line of work, Daniel. It depends on what you're actually doing. But one, this is where I kind of segued in nicely from Mirab's uh, comment there, because one really important thing to be aware of is really where you sit. Again, this is just my experience. I've done about five or six years of, of working with startups. These are solopreneurs and maybe those between, say, you know, 250 to 3 mil uh, turnover a year. So in that fun start, start phase where they're kind of just getting their feet. What's interesting, especially when it's a solopreneur, is it's actually not that common, I've found, that you find someone who has masses of commercial ability, so great at selling and, and uh, uh, business acumen and things like that, and who is creative as well. And I feel that both components are necessary in a business, and the creative uh, may be not necessarily making videos and things, it could be other things as well, but um, that kind of creative soul, the kind of the person who's really bought into the, the, the depth to their product development and so on, often those people, often I've found, uh, don't necessarily have all the commercial backing as well. So one of the best collaborations, collaborations you could um, uh, have early on, Daniel, is to uh, uh, look at what it is that you're probably good at and perhaps where you're deficient. If I was a super creative guy that uh, did digital design, for example, <clears throat> but didn't know much about how to sell my product, I'd be in a bit of trouble if I didn't have someone to help sell it. So one of the first collaborations to focus on would be to get someone to be my, my kind of my balance, if you like, to bring the commercial edge, or it might be the other way around. Uh, often, I mean, a good example is actually with me, because I'm, I, I come at things a lot from the sales perspective and the business perspective, because that's kind of my upbringing in work, if you like. And um, I outsource a lot of the creative. So for instance, the videos and the production around content, because there are better people that do it, you know, people do it way better than me. Um, I think uh, Roger's adding a really comment, good comment here, actually, that's my edge, humor and ability to sell. My weakness is, of course, marshmallows, fine. Um, and I think, you know, but there's, there's actually a nice segue there into Andrew Helms, who um, is one of the speakers on, in LA this week on Thursday. His ability to storytell with humor, to be engaging and so on with creative content is phenomenal. And if I was a hardcore salesperson uh, with a great product, but no ability to turn that into something novel, intriguing, and uh, with the ability to build curiosity in my needs to build a community, then I would be leveraging someone like him because, and I'm not on commission by the way, maybe I should be, but, but um, I would be leveraging someone like him because he's gonna give the, the flavor and the vibe and the excitement to an, uh, an otherwise cold audience. And that's, you see how that's a really good marrying of, of styles. So know what you're good at and know what you're missing and that's potentially where your collaboration should be. Um, so looking at what, what that filling is, uh, what kind of gap uh, is that you're missing. It might also be that, uh, that you're, the thing you're missing, Daniel, is just, you've got no network right now, you're just starting out. And I know um, when I started the LinkedIn content thing back in March last year, so like 18 months ago, the thing I was totally missing was any traction with any audience. No one knew who, knew who the hell I was. So I was massively focused on um, getting in touch with the influencers, let's call them, those who had a more active, larger network than I did, because I knew that that would be my way of leveling up. You know, aligning myself with people who are larger meant that I would get the benefit of their reach. And so I was hopping on calls quite early on 
to uh, you know to collaborate in content because then you know whilst I brought nothing in terms of um, network we had a good chat and that turned into some nice content and that person's network helped lift me up a bit so that's one of the most important collaborations you can make is looking at which people are above you that you can be in touch with and engage with um, and it's not always about being totally like mercenary in, in using people but the truth is if someone has something that you can you can that can be useful to you like how do you build that relationship and how do you collaborate and uh, one of the first ones I did was with a chap on LinkedIn called Brian Shulman who at the time had like 20,000 followers uh, and a really active set of followers and I had none so um, by jumping on a video creating a bit of content and then tagging him and him getting involved we were able to, I was able to level up somewhat and engage with some of the people in his um, network and that was a really nice step so that's the kind of collaboration I think is worth doing at the very start um, that that's a really important uh, point uh, let's do one more question Carolina Mankowski has also asked if you could uh, utilize only only one social media platform which would you use and how uh, it depends on the business B to C, I still would be using Facebook a lot, I, and 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 Instagram. It depends on the business. It really does. Um, Instagram. I I say this so much, but I'm constantly surprised at how useful Instagram's been for my business. Uh, it really does help a lot. But without question, the one that's standing out at the moment is is LinkedIn because uh, in the B to B play, I with the with businesses I I work with, they're all there. And everyone's being a bit more business-minded when they're when they're what they when they're tuning in, and so as a result, people are kind of taking things a bit more seriously. They don't necessarily have their wallets out, but they're like, "Hang on, this guy works with sales strategy. Hang on, this guy helps with engagement online. That's stuff we need right now." And I'm wearing my, you know, director or SVP hat or whatever it might be, my CEO. Uh, uh, badges on, they all, everyone, no one wears badges, but you know what I mean. So they're all thinking along those lines, and as a result, then you, you tend to get more serious inbounds. So, um, and, and how would I use it? It's the perfect combination with, with LinkedIn. It's a content platform, so I would be doing that as I am literally right now live. But in addition, I would be looking aggressively at search, advanced search with filters uh, to target the kind of people I would like to work with. And indeed, the kind of people who can help propagate and broadcast my message by connecting with the kind of people who have strong, active networks or who may be relevant to those people that I would like to sell to. So if there is a CEO at a company who might buy my service, it makes sense to be in touch and connect with those around that person as well. Because then as you connect, you get into the DMs and so on, these people get more and more familiar with you, then of course your content, that side of things, is showing up on their newsfeed as well. So I'd be doing a lot of that, and I think um, certainly you can do everything on LinkedIn. It's unwise to, because by not being diverse, if something goes wrong, who knows, but if something did, then, then there's trouble. But right now, it's a really sweet space to be working, in my opinion. So that's a really good question, uh, Karina. Obviously, we could go a lot deeper. But just don't write off Facebook and don't write off the likes of Instagram because there's massive attention there. And there's still the same people that are on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and on Facebook. They're still there. It's just they may be thinking about things from a slightly different perspective. So if you are more of a B2C play, there's intelligence in using those platforms because you're catching people when they're thinking along more along those lines, you see. So that, that's the way I, I have viewed it. Um, David Speyer over on LinkedIn is, has asked, would you use a funnel to market your business, spend money on PPC and LinkedIn ads? I'm in SMM and lead generation. PPC is pay-per-click. So this is putting money on adverts and you pay every time someone clicks on it. Uh, and LinkedIn ads, so that's where you have content that you spend money on so that the content is targeted to certain people uh, uh, in the industry. So I could, for instance, send my content to business owners in Florida, for instance, or something like that. Um, yes, is the answer. I, I have used funnels and I have used these things and, and I've got people who often will do that for me, David, so I outsource that. It's a case of saying, here's content, Let's make some adverts, his budget, and then I let people who are very good at Facebook ads run that because 
I'm simply not as good as other people are. That's a perfect example. Uh, jumping back over to Daniel uh, Nunes's question earlier of a collaboration where I recognize that my uh, ability to build and run Facebook ads is currently not as good as someone else's might be who does this full time. So it's intelligent to give them the budget and let them do it while I focus on, on the things I'm good at. Um, totally, it makes sense. But again, I wouldn't be doing solely this. You need to be trying a lot of other things as well because why wouldn't you? Um, what I use um, ads for a lot, uh, David, is actually not the the classic ad in the sense of, hey, buy my stuff, hey, opt in to this, hey, come and buy a ticket to an event. Instead, the ads are just driving my content, so just quality, value-led content into the uh, under the noses of the right kind of people. Because I know that if the right people continue to see my content, they will then continue, some of them will decide that I'm, I'm valuable enough and they will start following. And then some of those will decide that, that I've got something of value. I feel the best content-led um, client onboarding journey, for want of a, a shorter phrase, is to produce content people are interested in and create us a world whereby these people decide for themselves through being warmed through the value you offer that you are worth spending money with and therefore they go and do it and they select themselves to do that rather than pivoting straight in and trying to sell them. Going cold is far more difficult. It's not impossible and it is a good idea when you have nothing to begin with, but it's a far more um, organic uh, approach. It positions you far better when people are warming themselves up and deciding uh, off the back of seeing their own content, uh, seeing your content that they want to work with you. Um, Dr. Mike, Dr. D-O-K-T-E-R dot Mike on Instagram has added, to your point on outsourcing content creation, there are plenty of talented individuals looking for internships from universities who'd be happy to create content for the experience and reference. You're right. And the perfect examples, Mike, are with Entrepreneur Business Live. So my events that work around the world in different cities, I've had um, every, pretty much all of them that have uh, photographers. And if I don't have uh, someone I know in the area who can do it, I've, I did this in Melbourne, I think it was, and possibly even in Ottawa as well. I can't remember if it was. Uh, it was definitely in, in Melbourne. I had someone who was, I, I literally went to, in, it's what I've done into like three or four times now, went to uh, LinkedIn, found someone who was a student who's into photography in the city that I'm having the event and say, hey, because we give all the money, pretty much all the money to charity, we only have a budget of like a hundred dollars. But you know, if you need experience, come along, you'll learn stuff anyway. Enjoy shooting some reportage of the event with your camera, and uh, and then we've got something, and, and it win is win win for everyone. So that's a really good way of doing it, uh, Mike. And um, it's we've done this in a number of other ways as well, where people have said, Hey, I need to get traction as a videographer. And it's like, fine, so come along to the event then. And, and it's like, if you're unproven, so shoot it for free. And, and we had, uh, you know, we had someone recently, obviously is way more experienced, but a guy, John Bishop, who was at the London event recently, and I released the video last night on LinkedIn, uh, who's like, I'll come and shoot for free because I see the value in being aligned with Entrepreneur Business Lives. It's a perfect example of it. It's a really good point. Thank you for that. Um, a really good point. So just think that there's a lot of people who are really good at their certain niches. Uh, I use a guy called Dan Norton um, on LinkedIn, who um, his focus isn't even just video production, it's actually repurposing content. So it's taking pillar content like this and converting it into micro content for, um, for other platforms. And that kind of thing takes time and it takes expertise and a lot of experience to get it done right. And it's far better to give it to someone like that instead. So that's that's definitely the approach. Jenny Callum, nice to hear from you earlier today. It's a good example of someone. Jenny Callum and I were voice messaging earlier, Alex, because uh, I know you've mentioned that. We've used LinkedIn sponsored ads for advisory video content. Uh, absolutely. OK, in, in support of what you're saying, Richard. And it had great results, reasonably expensive, but targeted. Yeah, it's interesting because relative to Facebook ads and indeed uh, Instagram because they own them, um, LinkedIn ads are more expensive and less uh, capable, let's say, in terms of targeting. But I've definitely found that 
if you want real penetration and to get the right people warming up quicker, spending a little bit of money on your content to those you want to, to end up looking at it, just putting it in front of them again and again is a really good idea. And I remember it well, it was more with the Facebook ads, but there's an option where you can say how many times you retarget someone. So for example, if I have a piece of content going out to someone, going out to you, Jenny, I can set it so that it only retargets you three times. So you only see that bit of content three times because I made, for some people, they don't want to, in their words, waste money constantly sending it to the same people. We actually experimented with switching that off. So what we did was we, we said there's no limit to retargeting. So people are like, I've seen it, your ads, like for your content, for your LinkedIn stuff, 40 times now and it's like but good so it's about being front of month front of mind and um yeah it turns some people off and it's a bit funny but the point is that it is actually about warming people and actually doing that enough um it's surprising you can't you can't really overdo it if the value of the content is good and then people get used to seeing you and you know you're doing it right when you get those messages coming through saying um, you know, like all I see is your face all the time. It's a good sign, right? So it means you're targeting the right way. But it's something a lot of people don't think about. They, when they think ads, they think spending money on trying to get people to buy stuff. Try taking a bit more patience as, as your view and spend some money on driving your content to the right people because distribution is so important. Um, I know Jenny, for instance, your recruitment business runs uh, a podcast and if it's not distributed correctly, you end up with a wonderful podcast with all the effort going into building the content and the podcast and the time spent, spent building it and then no one listens to it. Or those that do are few and far between or not necessarily relevant. By being more targeted with the ads like that, you can do really well. So um, that is a little bit of spend, but nowadays that's some of the best money you'll spend is on content um, uh, driving with ads uh, rather than buying someone in to do uh, a whole load of uh, phone-based prospecting, for example. It can be in a very efficient way of, of broadcasting to the right people. Uh, let's finish up there. It's been really great uh, to cover this one. I think we'll need to revisit this again. Thank you, everyone who's watched. Remember, on Thursday, we've gone to Entrepreneur Business Live LA. So in, we'll be in Los Angeles with uh, Patrick Ward, Andrew Helms and uh, Travis Chambers to talk about building a brand and how they have done it. We're supporting Covenant House, so the, the $10 per attendee is going to them. If you, right now, if you know anyone in LA, please tag them in a comment because they need to know about this because the more people in the room, the more money goes to charity. It doesn't go in my back pocket. There is, yes, the ticket cost is more than $10. That's because we use that ticket cost to offset things like paying for the speakers' uh, uh, charity donations. So the speakers and the, if there's a photographer and so on, these people, like the charity attendee, we donate $10 because they're an attendee in the room. We don't ask them to pay. So, so for instance, that's where the extra money goes. There is not some big fat wad of cash coming in that I put in my back pocket. All this is used to drive into charity again. So that's why I'm pushing it. If you know someone in LA, tag them in. They should be going on Thursday. It'll be 6 p.m. Um, uh, Pacific time. Or if you're not in LA, you can watch the live stream in the Facebook group. So you go to Facebook and search for Entrepreneur Business Group right there. In the meantime, thank you so much, everyone, for watching.